The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. This evening, I'd like to open the Word of God together to John chapter 7. We've been going through the Gospel of John together on Wednesday nights, and we'd like to continue that consideration. From John chapter 7, we'll read the beginning of the chapter. Our main thought will be in verse 24, leading up to verse 24, but we would like to read the verses leading up to that main thought. So we'll begin here in uh, John chapter 7 and in verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. It's just absolutely astounding to think that he came unto his own and his own received him not. That the physical lineage, the brothers and the sisters and no doubt the cousins that saw Jesus growing up, they did not believe on him as the Son of God. And I know I would have struggled to believe that my brother was the Son of God. Of course, Jesus probably acted a lot different than my brothers did. But it is astounding that at least during his life, some of his relatives came to believe on him, his his half-brothers came to believe on him after his resurrection, particularly James, who became somewhat of the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. They believed on him after his resurrection, but they did not believe on him during his ministry. Verse 6, Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. And boy, that's true, isn't it? David said in the Psalms, there's but a step between me and death. And that's certainly true. Um, Here in our current environment, here in our uh, 2024 world now, Uh, We're only a few feet from death every time we get on the road. We're three feet away from having a car wreck and and dying on any given day. But David was fleeing Saul, who was seeking his life. And he says, if I make one wrong step, if I go in the wrong place, there's but a step between me and death. And there's a real sense in which our time is always ready. That's why we say, if the Lord will, we do this or that. That's why we know that Uh, Our life is a vapor because our time is always ready. If the world, the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Therefore, I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into this feast. I go not yet 
into this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And when he said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. So he's originally saying, I'm not going to go, y'all go ahead. But then he ends up going to the feast, but he did not enter with great pomp and circumstance. He went up secretly to this feast. The Jews sought him at the feast, saying, where is he? Verse 12, there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, he is a good man. And others says, nay, he's a, he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. So he was the buzz all throughout this feast. People were speaking in private. Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Or is he a deceiver? Great conflict, great contention about who actually Christ was here in the midst of this feast. Now in verse 14, now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? So how does this man have great, such great knowledge of, this, of the Old Testament scriptures if he's never been through the rabbinical, the rabbi school that we've been in to become doctors of law. If, if he hasn't had that, how does he know what he knows? Well, it's because it's literally his word, right? He's the one who breathed it. It's God breathed. And he breathed out his words in scripture, and he obviously knows them perfectly. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. <clears throat> If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And that certainly describes Jesus Christ. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? And then the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil who goeth about to kill thee. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Therefore, Moses therefore, gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me that I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And that's the thought we would like to consider together this evening. Judge righteous judgment. Now, what he just addresses here is the hypocrisy of these men, especially these Pharisees, these Pharisees that were scoffing at him, that said, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? How does he know the scriptures so well if he's never been through these Pharisee schools or these Sadducee schools that teach you supposedly what the word of God teaches? And Jesus is calling out their hypocrisy here. Supposedly, you know the word of God, but you don't have any problem performing a circumcision on the Sabbath day. He tells them in other places, you don't have any problem pulling an ox out of the ditch on the Sabbath day if that 
is convenient for you. You don't have any problem making your own little set of rules that you think is acceptable on the Sabbath day. But for some reason, you feel like it's wrong for me to heal a man on the Sabbath day. It's okay for you to circumcise on the Sabbath day, but it's wrong for me to heal a man on the Sabbath day. He's exposing their hypocrisy. And he summarizes this by saying, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, obviously the implication here is these Pharisees were not judging righteous judgment, right? They were judging unrighteously because of their hypocrisy. They were saying, it's okay for us to do what we want to do on the Sabbath. It's okay for us to circumcise on the Sabbath. It's okay for us to pull oxen out of the ditch on the Sabbath, but it's wrong for you to heal on the Sabbath, Jesus. You can't do that. Jesus is exposing their hypocrisy here. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, there is this idea in our culture, even in some areas of Christianity today, that it's wrong to judge, that it's wrong to judge at all. And many people who do not know anything about the Word of God for some reason, many of them have memorized this particular verse in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 1, which says in Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount, judge not that you be not judged. <laughs> I would say that's the one verse that many non-believers, that many non-Christians, that's the one verse of the Bible that it seems like that they have memorized pretty well. Judge not that you be not judged, and you don't have the right to judge me. You don't have the right to judge me at all. And we'll find from the Word of God, we hope to be able to see that this evening, we will find from the Word of God that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are commanded to judge. We are commanded to discern with spiritual wisdom many things in this world, but we judge righteously. You see, we judge not according to appearance. We don't judge with bias. We don't judge with hypocrisy. We don't judge unjustly. No, we judge righteously. And it's our duty and our responsibility to judge righteously. But the world would say, judge not that you be not judged. Let's go ahead and read the, the rest of this portion of scripture here in Matthew chapter 7, and get a little bit more of the context. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged yourself. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is, thine, is in your own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. It's just what Jesus told them there in John chapter 7, <clears throat> that you can't see your own hypocrisy. You are looking with this massive beam sticking out of your eye, right? And you're trying to judge with my little bitty moat. And because of that, you don't have clear vision to 
um, to judge righteously. You know, if you saw somebody walking around with a two by four sticking out of their head, number one, they need to go to the emergency room, right? If you see somebody with a two by four sticking out of their eye, there's something clearly wrong with them. But also, am I going to have any confidence in their vision? (laughs) No, I'm not going to have any confidence in their vision to see anything. But I sure enough am not going to have any confidence in their vision to see a little bitty speck of dust in somebody else's eye, right? And, And he's making the very dramatic hyperbole comparison here that if you've got a beam sticking out of your own eye, you are not going to have clarity of vision to inspect any kind of moat or, or literally a speck of sawdust that's in somebody else's eye. So what do you do? Well, get the beam out of your own eye and then maybe you can have enough clarity to be able to evaluate other people properly. So step number one is to recognize your own hypocrisy. Step number one is to repent of the beam that's in your own eye because it's causing you a lot of problems. But the real lesson that's being taught here, when it says judge not that you be not judged, in my King James Bible, in both places that it addresses judge, both in verse one and then judgment in verse two, the alternate wording for that is condemn and condemnation, okay? And I think that this is reiterated again for us in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 37. So the idea is not that we don't judge, right? The the teaching of Scripture right here is not that we do not discern and make judgments in this world. No, you make judgments. You make judgments every day, and that's according to God's commandments. That's according to God's Word. You make judgments. You make spiritual judgments. You make righteous judgments. But the real lesson here is not condemning. And that, that's the alternate wording there in, John, in Matthew chapter 7. Condemn not that you be not condemned, for with what condemnation you condemn, ye shall be condemned. It's the same word there. And, and really this is highlighted again in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 37. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven, right? So the lesson here is not that we do not make judgments. We are called to make judgments, and we're going to see that from the Word of God. What we don't do is arbitrarily and especially hypocritically condemn others, because uh, I'm guilty of just as worse of sins as anyone that I could possibly condemn. So I don't point my finger at someone else and say, because you did this, I'm better than you. And I would never do that. No, I I probably have a beam sticking out of my own eye and I need to get rid of that beam if I'm going to evaluate anyone properly. And I need to expose and repent of my own hypocrisy to be able to make accurate judgments of other people and counsel them, hopefully, with wisdom according to the Word of God. The lesson here is condemn not that you be not condemned. Because, boy, I want people to show grace and forgiveness to me, right? And if I want people to show grace and forgiveness to me, then I need to be willing to not condemn them. If I don't, if I want someone to not condemn me based on an assumption of how they appear a situation, how it appears a situation is to them, 
then if I want them to grant that same lack of condemnation and forgiveness to me, then it's certainly my, my obligation to give that to them, right? So, condemn not that you be not condemned, because if you do condemn others, uh, read Matthew chapter uh, 18. Uh, if we've been forgiven so much and we're unwilling to forgive others, you're going to get in a bad spot and you are going to face the severe chastisement and judgment of Almighty God if we have been forgiven for our condemnation, but we're unwilling to forgive others of much lighter offenses, of moat offenses, if you will, um, that you're going to be in great condemnation from the Lord. So <clears throat> we are commanded to judge. We're commanded to judge spiritually, to judge with wisdom. Let's look at some verses that teach this lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is in a discussion about the contrast between the Spirit of God or the spiritual man or the spiritual nature or particularly the spiritual mind and then the natural mind. And we'll, we'll try to read a little bit of this to give a, a little bit more context. We'll just jump in here in verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And then in verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. <coughs> he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now, how do we judge all things? Well, the discussion here is with the spiritual mind, right? We don't, we don't judge all things with the natural mind. We don't judge all things with the carnal mind. We judge it through the spiritual mind. So we judge according to the Holy Ghost, right? We judge according to the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to give us spiritual wisdom to make wise discernments. I mean, uh, essentially all of the book of Proverbs is all about judgment. It's all about discernment. It's all about evaluating a situation and then through our, the use of our spiritual mind that God has given us in the new birth and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, how do we evaluate the situation through the lens of a spiritual mind and forsake the temptation to engage in all these, the, all these natural things, these sins of the flesh, we make a spiritual judgment, a spiritual discernment and evaluation, and we choose to not do the things that we're naturally going to be drawn to do in our natural mind. And that's, that's the kind of decisions we make on, in discipleship on a daily basis, right? We evaluate, we discern, we judge the things of this world, and we're going to be tempted to do things that are contrary to God's word. We recognize it, we discern it, that that's contrary to God's word, and we choose to forsake it, right? We choose to do the opposite. So <clears throat> he that is spiritual judgeth all things. We, we need to have 
spiritual judgment, righteous judgment by the guidance of the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 12 and 13. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from yourselves that wicked person. Now, what he's talking about here is this particular church in Corinth was not only ignoring a open, unrepentant, cancerous sin within the assembly of the church, they were celebrating their supposed tolerance. And he's telling them you need to deal with that. A little leaven leaven at the whole lump, you're going to destroy the whole body if you do not exercise the necessity of spiritual discipline to remove this unrepentant fornicator from the close fellowship and assembly of the rest of the body. So he's saying you need to make a spiritual judgment, right? You need to make a discernment of this person's sin and you need to do the appropriate and perform the, the necessary appropriate spiritual discipline to protect the body as a whole. And he's saying, look, the reason why you have the right to make this kind of a spiritual discernment is because this person is in the church. He's saying, if they're without the church, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> there's a place for counseling people that are not members of the church, people that are unbelievers, we can counsel them to a degree. I would encourage you to not have close fellowship with them and them not be in your close intimacy of best friends, but we can still give them spiritual counsel. We can still make judgments. And unfortunately, if someone's uh, living contrary to the word of God, our judgment is that we don't need to be in close fellowship with them, right? But he's saying, look, if those that are within the church, it's your responsibility, it's your duty to judge them with inside the church to protect the integrity and the health of the body as a whole. And that's one of our responsibilities as members of the church is to make those discernments to make those hard decisions when someone is acting contrary to the word of God and living in sin. We have to make spiritual judgments <coughs> to protect the integrity and the health of the body as a whole. So it's our responsibility to do that for those that are within the church. Those that are without the church, there may be an opportunity for you to give them counsel. They most likely won't heed it if they're not a believer and they don't value the wisdom of the word of God. Those that are without, God judges them, right? That's not our responsibility. But those that are within the church, they've covenanted to act in such a way to promote the health of the body of Christ. And if they're acting contrary to that, it is our duty and obligation to make spiritual judgments, to make righteous judgments, and to remove them from the close fellowship of the church if they're acting contrary to the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, you see? And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So the time has come, the time is now. 
The time is now. That judgment must begin at the house of God. You know, isn't that just, just such like the world, right? And such like Satan that he tries to give this pretense that it's wrong for you to judge. Well, actually, the place where judgment begins is at the house of God. Because what this world needs is righteous judgment. It needs righteous discernment. It needs spiritual wisdom. You see, if we abdicate any type of judgment, if we abdicate any type of, of standing up for the, the principles of the Word of God, then we, we have given up our duty and responsibility to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, you see? How do we do that? How do we, how do we discern and make, make a difference between the holy and the profane? How do we make a difference between light and darkness? By, by judgment, right? By discernment. And we have to have that spiritual wisdom and spiritual discernment, and we make those decisions according to the Word of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. A few more verses that encourage us to test things, to try things, to judge things according to righteous judgment, not according to appearance, not according to how we're going to look, not, not according to how a position or how a situation looks at our first blush or how my actions might be perceived by someone else. We don't judge according to appearance. We judge righteously, not, not hypocritically, not in a biased way. <clears throat> first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. Test. Try all things. Evaluate it. Judge it. Put it to the test of the Word of God. And if it's wholesome and true and praiseworthy and good, then it will hold up to that test. But if it's vain and empty and if it's guided by the natural mind instead of the spiritual mind, it will not stand up for that test. So prove all things. Test it, try it, test all things, and hold. And when it when it's proven to be true, when it's proven to be valuable, when it's proven to be reliable, prove all things, and then hold fast to that which is good. Test it, try it. But then, once you have tested it and it's proven to be trustworthy, then hold fast, hold hold it tightly, hold it closely. Don't. Don't let go of that. Hold fast to that which is good. <clears throat> We're told in 1 John chapter 4 to try the spirits, to prove the spirits, right? Test it. Try it. Try it according to the word of God. That's what the noble Bereans did. They did not just take the preaching of the apostles. They, they tried it. That, they, that's why they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And those in Thessalonica were very noble. Look, look how how much the, the church of Thessalonica is commended in 1 Thessalonians that they, they had great labor of love and patience of hope and the gospel came unto them, not in word only, but in power and in much assurance. I mean, all, this, all these, these great attributes. But what made the Bereans more noble is because they proved and tested what they were hearing by the word of God. They searched those things daily to see if those things were so. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Listen to me. Give me the time of day. Have it, let me have an honest evaluation. 
And if at the end of the day, if you determine that it's not according to the word of God, throw it out. Throw it out. Follow me as I follow Christ. Believe what I present to you as it aligns with the truth of the scriptures and the word of God. Consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. So judge not according to appearance. Don't judge based on your perception of a situation based on limited information, right? Those can lead to very hypocritical judgments. And also don't make your basis basis of judgment based on how you think you'll appear to other people, right? Don't judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And that's what we need. That's what we need in this world is men and women that are men and women of their word that judge righteously. And why is that of necessity? Because there is so much unrighteous judgment, right? Can we amen that together? There is so much unrighteous judgment here in this world. If we abdicate, if we as the church abdicate our responsibility to judge righteously, Who else is going to judge righteously except for the righteous? You see, if we abdicate our responsibility to judge righteously, you want to know the only thing there's ever going to be? Unrighteous judgment. So we cannot abdicate our responsibility to judge righteously. We judge according to the word of God. It says in the book of Proverbs, there's many verses that say this, um, but we'll, uh, we'll highlight this. This one for you that I think kind of summarizes it. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And that's what, what, in the old days, when they would weigh something, they were making a judgment, right? They would weigh one thing against the other. And what happened if you skewed those scales to where one side that actually wasn't heavier appeared to be heavier, right? It's not a just weight. It's not an honest evaluation. And uh, no doubt, there were corrupt businessmen back in that day, just like there's corrupt businessmen today, who would try to fleece and try to rip off their customers. So a false balance, that's an abomination to the Lord. If we are hypocritical in such a way that we purposefully misrepresent the truth instead of judging righteous judgment. That is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. If we're men and women of our word, if we discern according to the word of God, and we are honest and truthful and we judge righteously, that is honorable to the Lord. So don't buy into this narrative from the world and this narrative from the devil that it's not our responsibility to judge. Now, we don't need to condemn. We do not need to condemn. Boy, I've got a bigger beam sticking out of my eye than anyone, right? And therefore, I have no right. I have no, not only no right, I have no clarity of vision to inspect the mode in somebody else's eye. Don't condemn someone else because you are worthy of the same condemnation. Condemn not that you be not condemned. 
but we are commanded to judge righteous judgment. We're commanded to judge spiritually. He that is spiritual judges all things. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, that we judge those that are within the church, but also we, we judge throughout the totality of our life with spiritual wisdom and spiritual discernment. And again, I want to reiterate for you again, if we abdicate, if we as the church, if we abdicate our responsibility to judge righteously, who else is going to judge righteously but the righteous? We are, we are creating a vacuum for nothing but unrighteous judgment. So may God bless us to have spiritual wisdom, to have spiritual discernment, to have a spiritual mind, to have the mind of Christ, that our judgment and our discernment is guided by Jesus Christ, that's guided by the mind of Christ, that's guided by the Holy Spirit, to judge those within the baptized body of believers, to judge everything that comes our way, prove it, test it, prove all things, Hold fast to that which is good. Consider what you hear, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. May God bless us to be spiritually wise, to have spiritual discernment, and to ultimately judge righteously, to judge righteously. And what's our ultimate aim? To judge righteously. It's to judge in a manner that is similar to the righteous judge, right? Jesus Christ is our righteous judge. When thou my righteous judge shall come to fetch his ransom people home. We want to judge righteously because Jesus is the righteous judge. May God give us wisdom and discernment to judge righteously in a manner that is in accordance with the word of God, a manner that is in accordance with the will of the righteous judge, Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.